Well, hello and welcome once again to Raging and Eating. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi, owner and executive chef of the Raging Skillet in New York City. And how the hell are you, huh? Well, you know, life is kind of wackadoo, so that's a loaded question these days. Maybe I should stop asking it because you might be doing lousy. I don't know. But this is a special show. Today is a special show. And the reason it's special is because today I feel like celebrating women, celebrating girls, women, ladies, females, females, you know, just for doing a full out celebration. And why do you ask, do I feel like celebrating women today? Well, there's a whole lot of reasons, but I would ask you, why do Jewish women answer a question with another question? So why do I feel like celebrating women today? Other than the fact that it's time to celebrate women. It's because why not, right? I mean, women have been getting such a lousy deal for like thousands and thousands of years, a totally crappy deal. The caveman would throw a woman over their shoulder and off they'd go, do whatever they wanted with her. Forget about medieval times. Forget about Henry VIII chopping every chick's head off if he didn't like her anymore. And then even up until the 70s, women couldn't get a mortgage without a man co-signing for them. Forget about it. What a big pile of poo-poo that is. I didn't say the S word. I said poo-poo. But this is a new era, I hope. I mean, I thought we were already on the new era until Hillary Clinton started running for office. And whether or not you're a Democrat or a Republican, whether or not you loved her or hated her or liked her or didn't like her, you have got to admit that the sexism thrown at that poor woman was outrageous. And if she smiled... It was like, oh, she's got a weird smile. If she laughed, oh, she's got a stupid laugh. If she was serious, oh, she's mean. If she got tired, she's weak. If she got emotional, she's, she's a wimp. If she was strong, she was a yach. You know what? Forget about it. I felt sorry for her, but the sexism was ridiculous. So it's still there. Here we are. Oh, my God, it's 2024, and it's still there. So there's so many things we have to do. First of all, we have to start really and truly respecting, supporting, and celebrating women. But here's the confusing thing, which is that a lot of times what keep women down, what really pulls them down, is other women. It's the craziest thing. Was it love this episode I saw? I think it was on the L word I learned this. Things I learned from the L word. But uh, one of the characters was talking about if you have a pot of lobsters and they're male lobsters, you have a problem because they may help each other try to get out of the pot. But if you have a pot of lobsters and they're female lobsters, you don't have a problem because they're all going to be like, if I'm not getting out, you're not getting out either. And they'll hold each other down in the pot and you get to cook them. Isn't that a crazy thing? But there you have it. I had a friend. I thought she was a friend. And uh, it took me a while to figure out she wasn't. It didn't, won't take you more than five seconds to figure out she wasn't. But she was a very powerful editor of many publications. And I, at the time, was freelance writing as much as I could for anyone I could. And with a moment, with just a flick of the pen, she could have changed my life as a writer. She could have given me assignments that would have made me a literary star. 
but she never did. She would only give those assignments to a man. And the reason was she didn't want to help another woman reach the level that she was at. She didn't feel like there was enough room on the top of the needle head, I suppose, for another woman. So she would constantly give these really plumb assignments of articles to write to men, never to women. So what does that mean? It happens a lot. It's crazy. Even when I started becoming a chef, I would hire as much as I could other women to work in the kitchen with me and I would give them great jobs as my catering director, my maitre d', my sous chef, my chef. And they were always so astonished. Oh my God, you're going to let me do this? Even though I'm a woman, I just couldn't believe it was happening. And there were a lot of other women in the industry who were not doing that. There was one woman in particular I'm thinking about who ran a very busy catering company who just simply didn't believe in promoting other women up to her level. She just would only give it to men. So that's an airplane coming by, by the way. And as you know, I am firmly convinced that every time I see, and again, it's one of those World War II kind of loud fighter jets. Hear it? Exciting. As you know, I'm firmly convinced whenever one of those goes by, I think it's my sister Yaya coming to visit me, and I'm not so sure it isn't. So here I am in the celebrating woman mode for crying out loud. It's time. It really is. I don't know what that's about. But it's not enough to celebrate women. It's women who have to celebrate women. You know, the boys have been, they really, come on. Some of them have just been dropped on their head, you know, the boys. But what's with girls not helping girls? What is that about for crying out loud? So let's all kind of change the world. What do you say? We could kind of start a little bit at a time. First thing we can do is look in the mirror and check out how awesome we are. I mean, look at all the things we can do. We can do almost anything boys can do and a lot of things they can't do. We can have babies. We we are a walking miracle. From our body can come life. It's almost like a a godlike thing. I think the only thing that we can't do is write our name in the snow, if you know what I mean. But otherwise, forget about it. So I think in my life, some of the most powerful things I've experienced were done by women. Like, I remember when Hurricane Sandy hit my neighborhood in New York. I happened to live in one of the neighborhoods that really got destroyed by Hurricane Sandy. I mean, it was, I just couldn't, I still can't believe it to this day. That was, what, 12 years ago? The East River just went down my block. I mean, cars were floating away. Businesses were ruined. Basements were flooded. Everything went black. Then we had a blackout. And this terror, everything was underwater. I mean, it was terrifying. And so a lot of crime started. A lot of scary characters came out. I mean, it's a blackout in the Lower East Side. Things happen. And so my friend Mary Stella, a very voluptuous woman from Tuscany, an Italian mama, who had a restaurant on the corner. She still has it. She decided that she was going to patrol the block and she would be out making coffee with a gas stove because nobody's electric coffee machines worked and giving out free coffee and protecting the block. Everyone else was scared and they were locking themselves inside and they weren't helping other people, not Mary Stella, no. She was out protecting the block and giving hot coffee and love and hugs. 
It was just a marvelous, marvelous thing to see. I'm telling you, powerful. And I think of some of the women chefs I know out there doing everything men can do, you know, just pushing it to the next level. And I am celebrating only the female chefs who helped other women. There are some powerful female chefs who didn't help other women. And they, you know, shame on you. Remember, um, what was that show on TV? Uh, Barney, Barney Miller, something. And one of the characters would always go, shame on you, Wojo Hoets. Speaking of which, I started to say for Molly before, and it just reminded me of this firefighter female firefighter retired who had worked her way up the ranks to be like the captain. She was a powerhouse, one of the first female firefighters. We were having this great conversation and she was talking about when she had a chance to deliver a baby because a woman had gone into labor and I think she was like in a supermarket or something. And this firefighter actually had a chance to deliver the baby. And afterwards she went to the hospital to visit the woman and her new baby and she said what did you name your baby and the woman said I named her Famale and the firefighter said oh God, that's a beautiful name Famale how did you come up with that name and she said well I looked at the at the crib you know they had put the baby in a crib and they'd written F-E-M-A-L-E at the end of the crib and so she thought that's the name Famale the firefighter started to laugh, but she had to admit it really was a fabulous name. So now every time I hear that word female, I think about female, and I wonder, how's that little baby doing now? I think she'd probably be about 30 years old, probably enjoying that cool name, but you never know. So I remember when I was in grammar school, I just refused to believe that girls couldn't do what boys could do. We could be tough and we could be strong, you know, if we played cowboys and Indians, which we played all the time, I didn't want to be sitting there in the teepee. I wanted to be out with a bow and arrow on the horse. And I always wanted the Indians to win and the cowboys to lose. But that's another story. And there were bullies in my grammar school, a couple of bad ones. And I would always fight back. I didn't care. I was seven years old. I felt invincible. I would fight back fiercely. But my really mean second grade teacher, Miss Hendrickson, who looked like the Wicked Witch of the West. She didn't like that I was fighting boys. I think she didn't like that I was winning, to be perfectly honest. And she made my parents send me in to a psychiatrist. She said that I was having gender confusion. So this was, um, I guess this was the early 70s. And if a little girl got into fights with boys, that she was having gender confusion. What a pile of crap. And so I was sent for an eight-week evaluation with Miss Ostroff. And Miss Ostroff, I thought, was just about the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen. She had black hair. She looked a little bit to me uh, like Linda Carter from Wonder Woman. I didn't know who Linda Carter from Wonder Woman yet was yet, but I would be learning in only a few more years. And so I went on this eight-week evaluation, and it was the best eight weeks of my childhood. I think I went every Wednesday after school. And she would ask me questions, and she was so interested in everything I had to say. And I'd never had a grown-up be so interested in everything I had to say. I was seven years old. I could tell her about my dreams. I could tell her about anything. She was fascinated and encouraging. 
So after my eight-week evaluation, she told my mother, there's nothing wrong with your daughter. Leave her alone. She's simply overly creative, overly intelligent, and a little bit eccentric. Let her be. Let her fly. Don't try and squash her. So the sad thing was I never got to see this wonderful psychiatrist again, Miss Ostroff. She was just it for me. But I did, my mother did share the diagnosis with me, and I loved it. And I went around, I didn't know what that word eccentric meant, but I loved the sound of it. And I went running around school going, I'm eccentric. I am eccentric. Yes, I am. And so here I am now. What is this, 50 years later? And um, I'm still eccentric. So Miss Ostroff was quite correct. It's kind of interesting, right? So if a little girl is strong and powerful she has to go and get treated for gender confusion i mean wow we've come a long way but not we haven't come far enough though it's just an interesting thing to think about and when i was seven years old i felt like the most powerful creature in the world i felt like i really was wonder woman i used to have dreams that i was actually saving the bionic woman when her bionics failed i just felt like a superhero And then things started happening. I was told one too many times that girls couldn't do what I wanted to do. Puberty arrived. I mean, all sorts of confusion about sexuality. And and I started believing maybe on some level that I couldn't do things because I was a girl. I lost all of my power. And I remember watching, I think I was watching Oprah maybe, some years ago, and they were talking about how women how little girls feel like superheroes and then are just, it's just taught out of them that they lose all their power. So what I'm hoping is in this world now in 2024, that little girls who think they're superheroes will never be talked out of it and never be told girls can't do that and never be told that they're less than. And that if a woman wants to run or the office of President of the United States. People will judge her by her merits, by her experience, by her talent, by what she believes in, not by her smile or how she looks in her dress or her pantsuit or how she laughs. I mean, I certainly don't care for the last president. I like the one now. He's a little boring for my nerves, but I like him. But I certainly don't care for the last one. But I don't like him because of what he did. And I don't like him because of his attitude towards women and the way he wanted to abuse women and put them down and molest them. And now he's evidently getting sued quite a bit for that. But I didn't, I wasn't hating him or disliking him because of how he smiled or didn't smile or laughed or didn't laugh. Because what's that got to do with what kind of a president he would be? You know, it's just a big pile of crap. So now in 2024, I think of that movie. Wasn't wasn't it like a Paul Newman movie? Can't we all just get along? Well, the better question is, can't women stop pushing down other women? Like, men, okay, look, boys, you really have to grow up. You know, you're all babies. I really do feel that 90% of the male population have like arrested development. They're, they can be 80 years old or 50 years old or 20 years old. 
certain things they just go nuts over. The sight of a sexy woman, unless they're gay, of course. A good cigar if they smoke. Anything to eat. Roast beef. Power. Sex. They just go nuts. Like a kid with a candy store. They don't seem to have any control. Not all of them, but seems to be most of the ones I know anyway. And a lot of them just weren't taught how to properly respect and elevate and support a woman. Some of them, you almost can't be mad at them because they weren't taught properly, but can't they just be retrained? I mean, did you ever take in a dog, you know, a rescue, rescue animal? It's a great and noble thing. You will go to heaven if you take in rescue animals. But did you ever take in a rescue dog and they're just traumatized and maybe they were never trained right and maybe they pee on the carpet and maybe they have a problem with nipping at your ankles and it could be all sorts of issues. What do you do? What's the first thing you want to do? You want to retrain them. You want to enforce that training with love and rewards of treats and food and hugs and pets and retrain them. You can do it. It's been done all over the place. So maybe we could do that for men too. No offense, boys, but you really got to learn how to respect the ladies. But women, oh my God, ladies, go back to your superhero years. Do you remember when you felt powerful, the most powerful you ever felt? Just go there right now. Stay with it. Be with it. Because you are a superhero. You're Linda Carter and Wonder Woman. Lindsay Wagner. Lindsay Wagner, are you old enough to remember her? Oh my God, I loved her. Bionic Woman. Whoever, whoever, whoever you think is a superhero, you are a superhero. You can do anything. You're every bit as powerful as men. In a lot of ways, maybe more so, because men cannot give birth, and you can do that, and that is a really hard thing. I got to hand it up to you, actually. I have never given birth. I've been through some incredibly painful things in my life, but passing a basketball out of my woo-woo, my woo-woo, um... I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. So hats off to you. You know what I mean, Jelly Bean? I think about my sister, Yaya, maybe because the plane just went by. So Yaya had an enormous amount of struggle in her life. There were always men trying to hurt her. There were always men um, trying to hurt her physically and emotionally and mentally. All her life, there were always men trying to hurt her in one way or another. And somehow or another... Yaya just kept pushing through and bouncing to her own beat, to her own drum. She had all sorts of demons, terrible demons, demons that many people cannot imagine. But she never really got off her path. She never let all of these abusive men in her life break her or crush her. And I will always remember her for having the audacity to go to 18-wheeler truck driving school. I still can't believe she did it. And there she was in her tight jeans and her candy orange heels and her rabbit fur coat and her bleach blonde hair with the black roots and her stage light makeup and her Diet Coke, chewing bubble yum, bubble gum, driving an 18-wheeler. Okay, yeah, yeah, she didn't keep the job for long. And I think I told you about that one already. When she took six days to get to Cincinnati and it should have been 16 hours. All right, okay. But no matter, she learned how to drive an 18-wheeler and she did it and she never looked back. So 
what powerful thing might you do if you are a woman to celebrate yourself, to celebrate other women? And what powerful thing might you do if you're a man to help celebrate and support and respect women? They deserve it, don't you think? And so how could we all do this together? Do you remember that... um, It was like a children's musical when I was a kid. Free to be you and me. Do you remember that? Are you old enough for that? There's this song. There's a land where the river runs free. I forgot the words. Free to be you and me. You know, whatever. Whatever, whatever. I got dementia from drinking too much champagne last night. But we can all do it together. Free to be you and we. That's what it is. Free to be you and we. So while we're celebrating women, one thing you got to say is that women really, really can cook. I don't know why society just couldn't believe. They, They love their mother's cooking. They love their wife's cooking, right? But the boys did not want to see a woman get a job as a chef. They didn't want her to get paid to cook. It was okay to come home and have their wife make a beautiful meal for them. It's okay to come home and have their mommy make a beautiful meal for them. But they didn't want to go to a restaurant and have the chef be a woman. I mean, what the hell is that about? And some of the best chefs in the universe are women. So when I started cooking for a living, it was so hard. I mean, men would do anything they could to make me quit. They just couldn't stand the sight of a woman in in a kitchen. And the first thing I did was get myself rise up the ranks and become the head chef and start hiring a lot of women to cook. I remember my good friend from San Diego, the Big S. She's one of the most powerful women I know. The Big S single-handedly managed an entire giant racetrack in California that fed like 10,000 people a day. She would come to New York for a visit and come and work with me. And the first time I met the Big S, we We were cooking in this kind of fakaka kitchen that didn't have any air conditioning. It was a very hot day in the summer. And my good friend Alex Alexander, my maitre d' at the time, who was friends with the big ass, brought her in to cook. So I walked into the kitchen at my usual 11 a.m. because I don't do mornings. Everyone knows I'm famous for that. And so the big ass had already started cooking a few things on the prep list. And... The air conditioner was not working. The windows were open. The fans were just doing a little bit. So she was hot. So she decided she was just going to cook in a black bra and a pair of these spandex tight bottoms and an apron. And she was mm, good. 100 or so pounds overweight. Hence the name, the big S. And I just walked in. Here I am with all my board of health paranoia. I walked in, saw her cooking in the black bra with like the tight pants. And I was running right over to reprimand her. You cannot cook in a professional kitchen in your brassiere. And she took a spoon into a guacamole that she'd made and shoved it in my mouth. And she said, here, honey, taste this. It was the best tasting guacamole I ever had in my life. I felt music in my ears. I just had never tasted anything quite like that. And she she had a little bit of a San Diego kind of twang to the way she talked. And she said, honey, I know I look quite the sight in my big old bra, but it's hot as hell in here. And I said, honey, after the way that guacamole tasted, do whatever you want. Just don't work in your underwear, too. That might be a little too much of a good thing. Anyway, the big S was like a dream come true. She went back to San Diego, 
finished cooking for 10,000 people at this racetrack. She cooked for giant rock concerts, all kinds of things. At one point, she was living in a trailer in the parking lot of the racetrack because her hours were so crazy she couldn't be bothered to go home. And to this day, she's running that whole joint, one of the most powerful women I know. So she taught me about a lot about, really, I thought I was a good cook, good chef at the time, but she really helped me find two or three deeper layers of soul, real soul in my food. And that's what it is. It's like love. You got to go deep down into the love. So in honor of the great and fabulous Big S, I suppose I should talk to you about guacamole because I might have given you a hankering for it. There's a lot of different spins. Different people make it different ways. I like to take all my avocado meat, you know, take open the avocado, scoop out the meat, put the meat in my esposa, that's my food processor, which does 90% of my work, as you know. I like to chop up some fresh cilantro and throw that in. I like to finely mince up some onion and throw that in. Not everyone throws onion in their guacamole. I like to fine mince of onion. I like to roast some garlic and puree it and throw that in. And I like to squeeze a whole lot of fresh lime juice and throw that in. Good amount of salt, some ground cumin. And I also, of course, like to finely mince up some jalapeno. Throw that in so you have the roasted garlic, the cilantro, the lime, the jalapeno. The garlic, to me, always has to be roasted. And I puree, puree, puree. And then one little trick I got from the Big S is I give it a little olive oil, too just does something nice and sexy to the texture. A lot of people just stick with the lime and not any oil, but I like a little olive oil. A lot of people don't put garlic in their guacamole. I like a little roasted garlic. And every once in a while, I'll also give it a hit or two of hot sauce, because why not? And you get this nice, limey, garlicky, gorgeous guacamole that's good on everything. Great on fish tacos. The big ass took me to Mexico. We drove through the San Diego border into Ensenada. So at this point, this was the early 80s, and you could drive into Ensenada. It got to be a little too wrecked with crime and the cartel after, but back then you could. And we saw this guy on the side of the highway, well, their version of a highway, a two-lane kind of honky-tonk road. And he had fish and tortillas, and he had a little setup. So for 25 cents, he filleted a fish that he had caught maybe in 10 minutes earlier, the freshest fish I think I ever ate in my life, threw it on his little stovetop grill, put it in a fresh corn tortilla, and let me help myself to salsa and guacamoles. My very first experience with a fish taco, I didn't even know there was such a thing as a fish taco. It was 25 cents. It was the most delicious thing I'd ever eaten. And then we went into Ensenada and we watched a lot of women do the cha-cha in Kmart one-piece 1970s bathing suits. And I'm not entirely sure I want to see that quite again. It was a little bit much, but it was quite an adventure. So in honor of the big S, in honor of women, in honor of women supporting women, in honor of men waking up and just forever after loving and respecting and caring for women, in honor of us all doing it together. I say to you, it's time. Free to be you and we. We can, we can do it all together. Women help other women. Men help women. 
you know, boys, I have to tell you, if you start loving and respecting and caring for women, they're going to be crazy about you. And that's not such a bad thing. You know what I mean, Jelly Bean? So also make some really good guacamole while you're at it. You know, this is Chef Rossi for raging and eating. And as always, food is love. And so are you. But I don't love you if you're not, li- if you're not nice to women. I got to cut the line there. And if you're a woman and you're in a power position and you're not helping other women, shame on you, Wojo Hoets. All right, I'm out of here. Go make some guacamole. Be nice to women. That's all I got to say. Thank you.